Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Weekly Word Podcast. I'm Chris Hout, AIM Coach, and this is episode 116 of the Weekly Word Podcast. And this one will be a athlete consultation that I went through, but this one is pretty unique in that one, Emily joined us on the consultation since there were a variety of nutrition questions. And it was also unique in that it took us a while to come to the root of the issue. I wouldn't say problems of the with the athlete because it's, again, I don't believe there's anything. Well, that's a little bit exaggerated. I believe with time and patience and good observations and good body scans and a good understanding of what we're doing, you can sort of turn any type of... Um, fatigue or any type of uh, being stuck in a rut around in order to still have fitness gains and still order to in order to still achieve your endurance goals and desired outcomes to take on those adventures to live that endurance lifestyle that you're curious to live now what i've noticed over the past 115 episodes is that this community has definitely changed um also who i'm talking to and how i'm talking to all of you and that is many of you have such different goals and different desired outcomes and different length of those events and adventures i'm coaching people who don't even have an have an event that they're signed up for but they're looking for that level of fitness that level of um strength and overall durability that they're ready to take on any adventure when it does come up, when something does present itself that they're really excited about and that appeals to them. Because the other thing to understand with endurance adventures is that this stuff is hard to stay motivated and trained for when you it doesn't tug at something deeper at you, some sort of curiosity, some sort of fear, some sort of focus that keeps you going. If it's something familiar, then it becomes a little bit more tricky. And we've talked about this in the past that how when it becomes a little bit more tricky, it's usually because of a time goal or a pace, uh, a placing that you're looking for. So that is your motivator. I want to do better next time because I feel I'm capable of or I'm a better athlete now and I can gauge that better of where I want to go, right? But for many, that isn't defined yet. And so we're working towards what I call their North Star where, okay, we're, we know we're trending in this general direction. We're building fitness, we're building strength, we're building technique, we're building knowledge, we're growing as athletes towards something. What that is, we're not sure yet, but we're heading in a certain direction. And along the way, things will present themselves where adventures come up and races come up. I call them specifically races where it's like, you know what, it'd be fun to go out and race that or events or things that you've never um, tackled before because you didn't have the baseline of fitness to really go about this. So anyway, back to the athlete consultation. Um, it took us a while to suss out what it could be that in this case, Todd could be struggling from. And in full dis- disclosure here, Todd had reached out and asked for a consultation, but he had also explained his situation in a pretty detailed manner in a couple of emails. And said, and I noticed that he was sort of hesitant to 
spend more money or or dive into something any further because you'd already exhausted a variety of avenues and spent some money and doctor's tests and so forth that he felt he wasn't really benefiting from or that he really isn't progressing from or didn't have a prescription from or have an outcome from or an answer from, right? Those are all different avenues you can get from testing and inputs and professionals and so forth. And again, I don't pretend to have all the answers. I just try to guide the athlete in what could be a better solution. Because again, as I've said so many times, and to a lot of my athletes that start with me, it's like, we'll see what works and what doesn't work. And let's just get going and dive into it. And the benefits and the value and the other things that come up while you're training are actually sort of interesting because you're learning as the athlete in this case as well. But it might not even be the things that you think you're preparing for, getting ready for, that you really start diving into and becoming interested in or enjoying, right? Um, and so that's why I'm a big proponent of let's just get our feet wet and start figuring it out. And many of my athletes are intimidated, let's say, by, oh, well, we're going to do big volume. No, not really. Many of my athletes might be intimidated. Oh, it costs a lot and I have a six-month minimum. No, not really. I just have a six-month minimum in my coaching because I need about six months to get a sense of the athlete I'm working with. But anything less than that, it's sort of hard to figure out who you are, what you need, what I might be missing. I need to... Um, paint a profile picture with your input and seeing some training and seeing some habits and consistencies and things that continuously come up, positive or negative, in order to then figure out, okay, this is the athlete I'm working with. This is the prescription I think that person needs. This is where we're heading six months from now, 12 months from now. This is why we're doing what we're doing. Less than six months, it's hard to know. But I bring that up because let's get our feet wet. Let's just find out. And then if after six weeks, you're staying injured, let's say, or not getting healthy, or not able to do the training load, or not able to fit in the time, or not having over um, extended yourself with regards to work or family and the three-legged stool, I totally get it. Most of my athletes know that if they came to me and said, I just can't do this anymore, done. That's fine. Totally fine. And that's what the six-month minimum is. The six-month minimum is to get a sense of you, the athletes, so that I get a fair shot to coach you, to have a, an impact. And that's, anyway, that's sort of talking on a tangent there. And I dove right into this podcast with any type of, without any type of, introduction or any type of explanation what this is but most of you listening already know but anyway back to athlete consultation this week um yeah so it took us a while to figure it out and you'll hear the dynamics of that in the conversation now some of it might be a little slow for many of you because it is a two-on-one conversation i'm trying to pull the data out of it what it turns out to be is that many many emails that this person, Todd, was sending us, you know, I'm not sure Todd really gave everything a full shot in letting it work. And he was maybe a little bit impatient on input. 
by some professionals that he was working with, whether nutritionists or other coaches or friends that he said he used for some advice. It's very hard to, you know, not dive in and get a good sense of what you, you personally, the athlete need as N plus one, right? Just you until you give it a shot and really observe and take some notes and body scan and understand and sort of give it all a whirl. And the funny thing is, at the end of this conversation, we pretty much clearly had identified what the problems might be here. But it took a while, right? It took some prodding and finding it out. So anyway, with that being said, that's this week's podcast. It's not going to be too long. It's just an hour interview with Todd back and forth. But I thought it was helpful because you can hear how the conversation goes towards um, uncovering what might help him. And the similar could work for you. Look at it from different angles. Why am I not progressing? Do I need to change the stimulus, right? Um, A lot of coaches work off of a simple principle. And that principle is training is the stimulus that changes you. If you never change the stimulus, you never change the athlete. I love that sort of quote slash principle. Training is the stimulus that changes you. If you never change your stimulus, i.e. training, you're not going to change the athlete. So if you're coaching yourself or you're thinking about when you're working with your coach, you don't want the same, same stimulus, the same training. Your body adapts to it. It recognizes it. And next thing you know, your progression and how you're growing, right? Rubber band way back in the early podcast, we talk about the stress on the system, rubber band, you stretch it and then you let it relax a little bit and then you can stretch it further and so forth. Stress plus recovery equals training. Now we need to change the stress. If the body continues to recognize the stress, then it's no longer a stress It's just a repetitive action that it is adapted to and therefore knows what to do and therefore isn't growing, isn't outside of its comfort zone to become better, stronger, faster, smarter, and so forth. So there's part of that. That definitely came up in this conversation. And yeah, it sort of allowed um, the whole thing to organically come to a nice conclusion at the end. So I hope you um, you enjoy this conversation with Todd and, and, and the consultation. And I think it was also great to have Emily on the podcast and get her an opportunity to also add her expertise with nutrition, which I use all the time. And it's sort of cheating because it makes it sound like I know it all, but most of the things I've discussed with her and before I open my big mouth, <laughs> I, uh, I've usually run it by the expert. So on a different note, uh, this week, I am not going to do a podcast. I have crashed again on my bike, um, meaning I'm not going to do a podcast um, going over emails and stuff like that. I'm trying to catch up on work and stuff, but crashed again on my bike, um, fractured another rib, very, very slight fracture. They even had a hard time seeing it on the x-rays but you know my swimming is definitely quite limited um it's really taken a hit after the six week recovery from the earlier bike crash in the summer and the uh, july 29th when that happened now being set back again it's um not ideal 
and uh, therefore I notified Hishami the other day that I'm not going to be able to do the Qatar quest. There is no way I'm going to be able to do a 60-mile run across the desert where I haven't been running for the last six weeks properly. Um, maybe I've gotten up to an hour, but I just don't have the fitness and the strength as my lungs and the, the, the bouncing of running has really impacted that. And I was just starting to get back up to about an hour and a half. And I was like, oh, I can probably do this in 10 weeks. But then a good old bike crash again. And of course, a bike crash that I was being a knucklehead where I was riding with one hand on my road bike on our way to the train. We were going to take the train north from San Rafael here in Marin County up to Healdsburg, California, up in wine country, and then ride our bikes back. You can take your bike on the train. It takes about an hour, brings you an hour north, and then you can head out to the coast and ride south. It's a fantastic ride. It's a fantastic service, and it's so it's such a fun adventure to do around here. And... um on our way to that, I crashed holding our breakfast that we were going to eat on the train. Um, and I hit a fence pretty pretty well because I didn't want to drop the breakfast, which was two glass jars. Yes, another stupid idea um, of overnight oats. <laughs> I was more concerned about that glass shattering in the road than it, I was about my ribs shattering again. So... I can uh, bike okay. I mean, I definitely can't stand up and sit down a lot, but once I'm in the cycling position, I can bike. So I still have that coast ride next week. I'm going to still do that with my buddies. And then, uh, but yeah, sort of bummed, but Guitar Quest is not going to happen. I don't have any swim fitness to swim a 10K, zero swim fitness. I mean, it's pretty ugly right now. And uh, yeah, running fitness for a 10, 12 hour run across the desert in the heat where you need the type of fitness that A, you're fitter than the course so that then you can deal with the heat better because it takes less out of you, can stay focused on hydrating and staying cool and staying efficient and staying within your head as you're running across the desert. I don't have that. And it's a bummer, but you know, these things happen and uh this is part of training and this is part of being an athlete that unexpected um, snafus get in the way and you have to deal with that adversity. Many of us have events we're getting ready for that we then can't do. Um, there's plenty of people who have Ironmans or 50 milers or 100 milers that they've trained all year for and then some injury comes up and they can't do it. So it's part of it. It's part of being an athlete and so I have come to terms with it. It's a bummer. But I'm going to rebuild the fitness and use the coast ride to hopefully survive 125 miles a day with tons of climbing. But my friends know what's up and they'll they'll be great in getting me through it. And then, yeah, I'll see what's on the other side, what we'll end up doing. So um, I do know for sure I'm still on uh, schedule and still have my eye on Catalina the Attilo swim run in Catalina. And I got a little bit of an idea on the other side of that that I'd like to do um, to make it really epic. But I'll share that once I have the logistics and the full go ahead and green light on all of that. But yeah, that's my current situation. And so I wanted to uh, share that. And um, yeah, as you guys dive into Todd and our conversation, let me also know 
what topics and things I am not addressing on the podcast. I also was wondering if there's anybody you would like me to ask to have on. Is there anybody besides Emily? I know, I know, I know. Um, that you would like me to interview, have on the podcast, somebody that you think would sync up well with a conversation, and I will reach out to them. It is an easy thing to do, and I don't have any <laughs> qualms <laughs> to reach out to anybody and ask them to have a brief or longer conversation with me on the Weekly Word podcast. So, Enjoy this conversation with Todd. Please let me know what you think. If you didn't like it, if it was sort of slow, if it was boring, I want all that feedback. If, if you guys can just send me a quick note and let me know, I'd be totally into that because it's helpful and that way I can focus more on the things that you like. Um, I definitely know that this podcast has migrated towards the questions you're asking. The emails I'm getting are so great. The follow-ups I'm getting. I got a lot of um, emails about my commentary from last week which wasn't um, very clear, and I should have done a better job in explaining that with regards to bike fitness for running. And I will follow up with that on the next podcast as well, because um, that is totally on me. I was not clear in describing um, that well enough, and therefore it created some confusion. And those of you that wrote me, I appreciate that. Thank you, and allowing me to remember and, and allowing me to also follow up on that. That's important, and you guys caught me um, making a mistake in a very good way. So that's that. All right, everybody, enjoy this conversation, and I will talk to you on the other side. Hey, Todd. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Good. Where are you located? Where's Haverford? Uh, just outside of Philadelphia. Gotcha. All right. Good morning. I'm trying to see here. It's been a while since I've used Skype. Is it working? It is working. We don't use camera on this end. We have construction going on. We have all kinds of stuff going on in the background. Is, is my camera on? Um, it was, and now it's off again. Uh, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. It's, it's great just from a call standpoint going from there. Sure. Yeah. So um, so you're just outside of Philadelphia, and yep. uh, why don't you give a brief summary, reason, explanation as to what you reached out for? Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it all, I mean, I can't believe now it's been, you know, five or six years since I first kind of started this, um, journey, but it was, you know, I said around eight, at age 34, um, I'd been getting, you know, faster and faster and faster. And I would use, um, the broad street 10 miler up here as like my goalpost to kind of see, you know, how I'm doing. And I had my best year, um, ever. And the very next year, um, I noticed my training just felt off. Every time I would go out for a run, it just didn't feel good. Um, you know, so I wasn't sticking to any particular program, but I would be doing, you know, like six by 800s and things like that. Um, and I noticed what I was previously doing them in, I could no longer do just a few short months later when I would, would be training for 
uh, next year's Broad Street Run. And so that kind of set off my quest for, you know, is it a body issue? It, 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 it was, to me, it felt like a body issue. So, And you said 2014 is where the drop-off started. Yeah, and it just went, you know, it fell off a cliff. You know, I went from my best time ever to then 2015, you know, I was like 10 minutes slower uh, in, in the race. Can I- um, Sorry, can I interrupt? Um, yeah. And what at what point did your diet change? Did you have a job change? Did you have any other big stresses at that point? Or like was no. everything else staying constant and that was your only Nothing out of the ordinary. No. I, mean, I can't think of any major life, you know, stressors outside of, you know, what is is normal. But no, I mean, at that, at that relative time, I uh, wasn't, you know, I guess it was a few years earlier that my son had been born. So it wasn't like, you know, at that point he was probably two or three. Um, but outside of that, no, I mean, my diet pretty much has been fairly consistent since about, you know, 30 with, you know, I've experimented here and there, but I've pretty much kept it. And it's largely plant-based or vegan, or I noticed like one or two instances of salmon or chicken but for the most part it looks vegan yeah pretty heavily weighted towards that i mean if we're traveling and things like that and you know my son and my wife eat you know they like chicken and salmon so um you know i'm not dogmatic about it yeah you're plant-based you're not plant exclusive yeah yeah i mean salmon and chicken especially when it's traveling like you know i already have enough stress it's like adding the stress of like you know and and, and finding, you know, uh, so I just, just try to eat, eat, eat healthy when we're out. Okay. So. You just said something. So you already have enough stress. What is your stress? Uh, well, I mean, I own my own, uh, well, I did own my own business until, until recently. Um, you know, that's always been, I've always been a very high stress person. I mean, am I, you know, I wouldn't say my stress is any higher now than maybe previously. I'd say maybe the stakes are a little bit higher given just, you know, just, you know, being 40 and, 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 you know, selling my business that I just got. And I, and I say sell, it's not necessarily like what you would think. It's more of like, I just needed to get out and be done with it. Yeah. Um, So I was able to, you know, I'm kind of like wrapping up that now, but at 34, 35, I mean, I was, I wasn't miserable doing it. I mean, yeah. sure, it was stressful, but I was happier doing that than, you know, the thought of, you know, all my other friends and contemporaries just going to their nine to five seemed yeah. way more stressful. So let um, me, uh, let me uh, dive in here. So, um, so you started getting slower and you're frustrated with your training on not seeing the progress. Um, you're trying to figure out um, what it may be with regards to why your performance has sort of plateaued and actually slowed over the last five years um, from 35 basically to 40, which you are now. Well, tomorrow, yeah, it's your birthday. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of our situation, our, um, where we are coming into this, right? Yeah. And then you said you've had a variety of tests done, blood tests done, just to make sure nothing's off, wrong, um, dysfunctional. Um, is that correct? Yeah, I mean, pretty much the full gamut uh, of, of tests. Um, so I've seen my doctor, I've seen, you know, chiropractors, massage therapists, um, person, you know, PTs, uh, all having their own, you know, theory 
as to what it is, you know, some sort of either, you know, strength imbalance or, you know, uh, not, you know, mobile enough in certain, you know, your calves are too tight. You don't have enough dorsiflexion to, you know, I mean, just everybody's had their, what they thought was a smoking gun. Yeah. Well, that's not a minute per mile though. (laughs) Yeah. And again, so I'm also for context, you did a 64 as your PR for the 10 miler. So 645 pace. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, all right. So that's the situation. Then you also had some blood tests done. Do you have any gut issues? Have you taken any advent, uh, taken any, um, action steps off those blood tests? Have you gotten insight from those doctors? You know, as a, the one, I, the woman I saw at Jefferson, which was where I had some of the non-standard, uh, lab work done that was all, um, out of pocket. It just, it just came back kind of fishy and I didn't particularly, it just seemed like, you know, here's what's wrong with you, all these different things. And oh, by the way, you know, we sell all of these supplements and it would end up being like, you know, $80 a month and all these supplements. So I just, when there, so no, I didn't, I mean, I do take a vitamin C, um, I started taking a, uh, a B, um, vitamin and some, and a zinc supplement, but not, you know, not every day kind of, I kind of will, you know, spread it out. Um, and then the last sort of question, just to set up the context so that we're, we're, we can move into a conversation. Have you tried to cut things out where you said, okay, based off of the insights off the blood tests, I stopped eating dairy or I stop consuming gluten or to just to see yeah. how there's effects on your body or any changes like that? Well, the doctor that I saw at Jefferson that did all that put us on, um, cause my wife, I pretty much went to support my wife who was having some medical issues and, um, the doctor made us do not, didn't make, make us, but had us on that whole 30 diet. Um, okay. so we did do that and I didn't notice any, you know, any difference when I started to add back in, you know, grains, dairy, gluten, okay, and any of that stuff. That's all valid. Good. So um, yeah, go ahead. Can I? Yeah. Sorry, because the the blood test. Some of the things that you're feeling, that you know, in your email, you said every day I feel sore and fatigued every workout, no matter how easy it is. The day before feels tough. Yeah. Um. You know, does your body ache everywhere, like joints and? You know, is it like specific muscle, like you just said, calves, calves just hurt, or is it like an uh, overall just kind of body ache fatigue? If I had to say when I, you know, where I predominantly feel it while running, it's, I'm going to say again, I'm not like a medical doctor, so I don't know if I'm, you know, the, the exact, you know, um, bones or, you know, uh, joints, yeah, but yeah, no, it, yeah, it feels no. hips. It feels like it's my hips and my hip flexors. Um, and you know, my low back gets very, uh, very tight, um, to the point where like, I would rather run for three hours than like walk for three hours. I know when we go to, you know, I don't know, I'm thinking of like Disney world or places like that where we, we do family things. And I'm like, okay, I'm an in shape person. Um, you know, why can't I walk without my low back getting incredibly fatigued and just, you know, achy, where I kind of just feel like I want to like, I know I'm not on camera, but I'm sitting here doing these like pelvic tilts where I, I kind of just, just want to like decompress yeah. the lo- that lower portion of my spine, just kind of do these where I kind of like 
you know, tuck my tailbone down. Yeah, I teach Pilates. I get the pelvic tilt. You know, so I'll do lots of that while, while, while like I'm standing. Um, that's gotten better over the years. I think I've just been doing some strengthening stuff here and there and doing some like stretching work that I think has like helped. Um, but that's, you know, predominantly when I feel sore, whether it's running or just, you know, every day, hip, hip flexors, um, and low back. Okay. I asked from the medical, from your blood test results. That's, um, I mean, some of those things, obviously we can talk and Chris and I can address functional movement, that kind of thing. But I asked because the blood tests show, um, you know, the original ones from two and a half years ago, the thyroid seems quite off. Um, mm-hmm. it did look like it improved from the second set of blood tests you have. Um, yeah. but the overall body aching and that kind of thing, I just was, it's indicative of overall inflammation and just, um, you know, fatigue, the body's working to try to get rid of the inflammation and it leaves you no room to kind of heal in any other way. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it has come up and, I mean, it's been up and down. Like it was just up when I had it done a couple months ago. So my doctor reordered it. The thyroid? Um, yeah. And then it, then it was yeah. down again. And so we looked at it's. It's, she said it's always, it's usually been either at either high or at the high end of normal, but I wasn't yeah. willing to take the medication. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't suggest taking the medication right now, but it, the, your very first test shows antibodies, which if you have antibodies, in, if you show any antibodies, they weren't super high. It was only at six. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did suggest a gluten sensitivity. Um what that could indicate, again, I'm not a doctor and can't diagnose any of these, but in general, if you have any antibodies, it could indicate that you have an autoimmune condition of the okay. thyroid. So, which leads me to the biggest thing I noticed about your food log um, is the amount of sleep you have. Okay. Do you sleep, do you really sleep 11 to 13 hours a night? Oh, did that? No, uh-uh. Okay, yes, your Garmin or whatever shows that you sleep 11 to 13 hours a night. Uh, I mean, I don't wear it when, when I sleep. I take it off. Okay, so it thinks you're sleeping? Like, I was like, if this guy is sleeping and this he's much, stressed, that's like impossible. <laughs> that's super awesome if I could do that. Uh, no, and you're still feeling fatigued and sore and whatnot. Like, we've got a big... <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely, you know... I go to bed around 10 and, you know, wake up around 6. Okay. And do you feel refreshed or tired? I feel I feel awful. I mean, yeah. not, well, not every morning, but most mornings, yeah, it takes me, like, uh, you know, I, I definitely don't pop out of bed, like, you know, yeah. ready to seize the day. Okay. So, and the... Just that whole time, I mean, I'm not, I'm not complaining about, you know, trouble falling asleep. I mean, obviously, some nights, sure. Yeah, yeah. But... At, Whole, I mean, no. I mean, you know, knock on wood, I fall asleep pretty quickly. I don't wake up that I, you know, that I really remember until the alarm goes off. Yeah. Okay, I was just getting a picture. because So as far as thyroid and if there is any autoimmune and the fact that it bounces around so much, do you think there's an issue going on there? Um, As probably a doctor thinks is why he's testing it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. in which case, gluten would be something to completely eliminate. And when you say you don't really eat much of it, it's in your food log a couple times a day um, just to see how you feel. Burrito, burritos, oatmeal, cereal, those are all gluten. 
Oatmeal? I bought the gluten free kind. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, um, yeah. Um, you know, again, I don't know if that's going to make a huge change. The other question is, I mean, and then I'll let Chris jump in, <laughs> um, though, is what I don't know is what your digestion is like. Like the food log, the food log looks pretty good. I think overall calories are quite low, um, which leaves you a little just depleted <laughs> from day to day. Um, and that has a cumulative effect on how you're feeling. Um, but you know, what's your digestion like? Um, you know, are you having, do you have bowel movements every day? Yeah. And if so, are they solid or loose or, and I know we're going, we're getting personal right away. <laughs> this, is, this is how I go. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I mean, when I did that testing at Jefferson, you know, I had to poop in a box and mail it in somewhere. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause I didn't see those. That's what I was going to say. I don't have any, you said you've done a lot of tests, the, but I haven't seen any gut tests. I never got the results of that. And then when I started to see my new doctor, you know, he, I, he just said that those tests are kind of unreliable. So I, I never really followed back up with her because it would have cost money to go back and see her again. So I, I never got the results, but yeah, I mean, I would say, well, you own those results. She should, I mean, you shouldn't have to see her to get the results. They're your results. You paid for that test. So just okay. so you know, because what it could show is if there is any bacteria, any yeast overgrowth, any um, anything that could preventing the absorption of the nutrients that you're eating. Um, mm -hmm. It's not, those tests are not good for showing you know food sensitivities. Um, you know, they're it's just a marker in time, so it's not super reliable as far as like oh I have a food sensitivity to kale or whatever. Yeah. But if it shows that you have a lot of food sensitivities. What it tells us is that you likely have leaky gut, um, in which case you would need some gut repair and gut support to actually absorb the nutrients that you're eating and give you more energy overall. You know, the stuff that you hear me talking about in general on the podcast, where it's like we can have the best diets in the world and it looks great on paper, but if our body is not absorbing it, well, yeah. great. <laughs> Same yeah. as training, right? I mean, and that's something we'll get into in a moment, but just something... Again, the, Emily the, will give you a string of thought to start narrowing down um, an area to focus on and pay more attention to and then add more um, professional insight and support and um, expertise to as you start um, noticing or learning more about it. That's the key here. Okay. So just something to look at for you. Sure. Um, and the big thing for you now is, so the question is training and we have been yeah. emailing back and forth and just in general, you have, I said early on with regards to this conversation and this consultation that I'm not here to charge you any money if we're just going to not give you any type of good answers or vague ideas that you just like, right now I just spent more money and I'm still back at square one. So, so we went back and forth in some emails and you shared your Garmin files and, and info, info to me. So my question to you was um, volume, right? How much training have you been doing and where uh, where were the years before that? So in the years 2014 to 2018, what happened in your training? Yeah, my, my training was always pretty consistent in terms of, you know, I would run three days a week. And I would do strength training three days a week, you know, some sort of, you know, uh, you know, gym circuit, some sort of, you know, strength work. Um, and my runs would be, you know, typically in that, like, you know, 20, 
four mile range a week, unless I was training specifically for um, like a marathon or something else. But other than that, I mean, I would say 90% of my training was, you know, I would do six miles one day, six miles another, and then a longer run of like 12 to 14. Um, other than the months leading up to Broad Street every year, which is in May, I would start to kind of throw in like one of those six mile runs would be like a two mile warm up followed by some, you know, 400, 800 repeats followed by a um, cool down. But that was the extent as to how scientific and technical, you know, my training was getting. I mean, I mainly just, you know, you know, as you would say, I was exercising, you know, I was not really training. And part of that is because I don't, I don't love doing races. I mean, I like them because they're kind of the, um, for me, they're kind of the cherry on top. Um, so I don't sign up for like a, for a bunch, but Broad Street was always a big one for me. But then also just feeling lousy. It was like, well, I don't want to do any other races. Like I kept doing Broad Street because it was, you know, just like an annual thing. Um, but then two years ago I did have, um, hernia surgery. I would just, one day I was out on a run and started feeling some pain down in my groin and I got home and, you know, was kind of freaked out by what I saw. And then, um, so that sidelined me. And when I came back was when I started to get into other things like biking and swimming and, um, you know, I would say mostly starting like January of last year, I, for the first time started to swim and I got into, it was obviously cold around here in January. So all my biking was done during spin class. So then I kind of got into this habit of like, you know, I would probably run three days a week, but maybe now I would do swimming a day a week and do like one or two spin spin classes a week. So like Saturday morning, instead of my long run, I would go do like an easy six miles and then pop into a cycling class mm-hmm. um, to get that hour and a half, two hour long workout. And that kind of sparked me into, you know, this summer when I did my first triathlon, it's like I, I'm finding that I really love it as much, if not more than running. And I really want to get into more endurance type type stuff, you know, longer distance stuff, which is always my interest anyway. It's like if I was going to do a race, like 5Ks or 10Ks, just, you know, I like more of an event. And so for me, it's like this is what I enjoy doing. I want to figure out, like, why my body isn't cooperating so I can at least do it and feel like I'm doing it the best I, I, that I can. Yeah. Um, so I mean, so that, that's kind of high, my training. Yeah. So high level, I mean, my first reaction and insight would be, you know, what you did until you were 35, where you can just get by with three runs a week and sort of just with no direction works can work and it works for most people. Activity itself promotes uh, improvement in fitness and then repeating that, there are outcomes that continue to happen for that. Now, clearly you're, you're able to run well, you're economical and efficient in your running because to do that type of training three times a week, probably with some strength training that isn't really the right strength training for running, which is what most people do with regards to strength training. I'm not saying that you're working on beach muscles, but it's hard to think of the right uh, strength training for running. It, it's, it's not very fun to do in the gym. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so you continue to get better. Your economy of motion is good and rep- repetition of movement allows you to continue to get better. And so, but at 35, 33, 37, that's sort of where 
our own repetition, talent, ability, and lack of intention runs out. Um, Just doing more of the same or putting more will into it will not help. Um, That's a question then of, all right, I'm getting older. My body needs to do work that stimulates it in order to have a desired outcome. Um, and just randomly doing 800s or based off of, okay, do I really need this? Not sure, but I heard it's good, therefore it should help. Um, so that's the first part. The second part is also what I was alluding to is that I don't think, even for a 10-mile run, if you want to run 630s, let's say, and turn that into a 63, 62, um, which you're fully capable of doing in your 40s, is that you need a lot more of a platform to work off of because again you're getting older and you can't just will yourself and through the event um, physiological a lot of things are happening from how your blood delivers oxygen to the working muscles as you get older um, everything becomes more inefficient and so we need to train it different right and so there therefore you know six miles six miles and building from a 10 to a 14 over a few months, but not really all year, because looking at your volume, it surely drops off (laughs) um, um, before that March window always, right? Um, If anything, it would be need to be a lot higher in November and December so that you can do the speed work in January and February and have that speed work pull on something versus just be built on something that's not there. So you can't do speed work while you're still getting in shape slash fitness. And so again, all this ties into the overarching theme is that as we get older, we need to change the prescription of what we're doing because now we actually have to train with thought and intention versus just allow our natural ability and talent and sort of repetition of motions to get us faster. And that's the big thing for you in looking at your volume and looking at your past years and looking at your consistency and looking at your timing of the training, all that for that needs to happen. Now, the other key thing is you just said you're not really that into racing. You use Broad Street as a measure of your annual fitness. That is exactly what will run you'll run into when it's dark and cold and rainy and snowy in Philly. Um, in October, November, and December, when you're not getting out of bed to get those miles in because, again, you're not that into racing. The motivation, like I always talk talk about, runs out if you're not in it for the journey, if you're not in it to ride this wave and enjoy the training. So that's a mindset question to you too, and you're worn down by it because getting out of bed in the morning is already fatiguing, overwhelming, tiring. In that respect, no, I mean, I pretty much went. I mean, again, for me, it was like, well, I was never super motivated. I mean, you know, I would do a marathon, I would do Broad Street and, and other kind of you know races like that, but not a ton. But then, with me feeling how I've been feeling the past four or five years, I just, you know, I just the motivation to enter into a race just seemed like. Well, I'm just getting slower and slower and slower. It feels so like if I didn't want to do it before, why do I want to do it now? That was until I then started to kind of find this love or passion for biking and swimming as well. And would like to start to add those on to like, like right now I am training for the Philadelphia marathon in November. Yeah. 
Um, and you know, we'll see, uh, we'll see how it goes. I have a friend that works at the running store. He's down the street. He's kind of helping me, you know, put together, you know, um, you know, at least some sort of plan, as you see before, I generally did not work for work from a plan, but, um, I've been adding some more, you know, mileage, but I've been doing pretty much, you know, what you've been saying in your podcast, which is really trying to keep it slow. And some days it's, you know, like today, it was really hard for me to keep my heart rate even under 160. Yeah. Have you done any testing to figure that out? Uh, yeah, I did two different, one at my gym, uh, they, they offer it. And then I did, uh, one that was done via blood work. It felt a little high for me. So like, I've been kind of working, kind of taking those results combined with just how I feel too, just based off of like, what kind of effort level does this feel like I'm doing? Todd, 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 (laughs) what I'm hearing here, again, I don't know you, I don't know, it's not been consistent enough. But I've heard that you didn't trust the blood test, the doctors, and the input on your stuff on your yeah. health there. And here you're sort of going, well, the blood test, it didn't really feel right. And go, I didn't trust that either. There seems to be a theme here, bud. Yeah. You know, training is, it, it is what it is. I mean, you can take more tests, but the data is the data. You can't argue with the data. You send yeah. me those five by one miles and I give you heart rate zones. You might go, eh, well, he might be not right. that. Well, now we have blood tests. We have five by one mile and you have your gym information. We should be able to lock in whether it feels right or not. You might even be in a space that athletes have that you have trained too easy over many of the years. And the lack of stimulus has left you flat, fatigued, <laughs> unfamiliar with true training you know so just i'm just noticing something here that uh, that's two for two so far right something so how you go would you just do you think the easiest way for me to do the to get the heart rate zones would be your your well you have the blood test when was that done that was done over the winter, but then it was like, you know, I was trying to get some, you know, get them to help interpret the results that they did, um, you know, but she, but she wanted to be part of like another training package. So I was like, okay, it felt like, here we go again. Well, that, but then like Emily said, and I've talked about on the podcast, you own the data. You always get the data, right? It just didn't make any, it didn't, it, you know, she yeah, said, well, can't really take our data and apply it to the Garmin heart rate because the way they do heart, I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so, and I, you know, she wanted me to buy one of their training packages. And I was like, Oh, you know, all I wanted to know was just my zones. Yeah. This is one of the key things I try to get across for all you guys on the podcast and also Emily with nutrition work. It's like, you guys own the data. They can sell you what they want to, but get the data because guess what? That's what you're paying for. You're not paying for them to also sell you. That's called upselling, which is totally fine. It's part of any business, right? But the initial price was that you get the information and the data. So, um, but that being said, if that's an older test, um, yeah, do the five by one mile and let's knock out those heart rate zones for sure. The other question I would have for you, why are you doing the Philly Marathon? Just a why question. What's your motivation? Um, 
to get to get my to get to get myself like maybe to get motivated back into running and also like I signed up for it last year and paid for it mm-hmm. and I deferred it um, to this year and so this is the last year I can defer it. Gotcha. Um, and I enjoy you know especially my son's at an age now where like you know like he loves coming out to like the happiest I'd seen him him and I do anything was when I did my triathlon in August. Like, he absolutely, like, you know, loved it. He's getting to the age now where, you know, it's just a fun thing for, you know, him and my wife to be a part of. And and Philly's a great race. I mean, it's a great marathon. It goes through. I'm going to interrupt you again, Todd. This is sort of what I do, right? But so we're getting some good learning here. So we got the insights with regards to how you view input and professional information. So take a look at that, right? But also, it doesn't sound to me like you're doing this training for yourself, that you're intrinsically motivated, that there's something more there. For example, if Broad Street is frustrating you and you're not, why aren't you pivoting then to triathlon or things so that you don't have this measurable of Broad Street and maybe come back in a couple of years and look at it after you've done some different training? But it sounds to me, again, just real big picture here. Um, that you're setting yourself up for this space where you're sort of like, yeah, I wasn't really that into it, but my son loves to see me do it. And he's like, again, that doesn't help you when you're out there slugging through a 16 mile run where you have to change paces in and out of goal pace, or you have to do hill repeats, or you have to do a tempo run, or you have to do that, you know, Low heart rate, which I'm guaranteeing you is lower than 160 or zone two. It might even be in the 140s. Um, that when it's that difficult and you're that frustrated and you're saying to yourself, I really have to walk this entire time because my heart rate keeps kicking up, which I'm pretty sure we're going to see based off your testing that you're probably got a very sensitive inefficiency in your heart there. That's why you've plateaued. Um, that won't motivate you then, right? when you're walking, then you're going to go into this spiral of, well, why am I doing this? And so these are all just the initial observations on how to get out of this funk. Um, Yeah. I stand around all day at an amusement park. My lower back hurts too. Again, but you're, you're chomping at the bit to go train and to go run in the woods and to go run on a Sunday morning when the streets in your area are empty and feeling alive and connected and not worrying about heart rate or pace or broad street or outcome, but because you love the process, love the activity that is going to then change the narrative for you that you're in a space where you're not measuring against your former self. Um, And again, I'm confident you're able to get back to it. But when we're constantly applying data to that 35, 34 year old self and trying to just stay in that parameter of it, it makes it quite difficult. And it is um, unmotivating. Trust me, if I were still training the numbers that I was at at 33, 34, I would have stopped a long time ago. So, um, you know, so the big thing here is besides the input, it's more also that maybe shifting this entire mindset, get away from broad street, get away from running or get away from running at a pace 
long trail runs, um, things like that, where you build a platform in a more natural, um, seasonally based way as you're going into the fall now, running without a Garmin, running without heart rate, just running on time and enjoying the process of running because clearly you are a good runner. So let's take that strength and that ability and rebuild this engine from scratch the other way around. Go from one end of the spectrum, measurable, shorter distances, less training hours, uh, changing the strength around to the all the way the other end of the spectrum. No Garmin, no heart rate, just going by time, just going by love of running and connecting with that and allowing your platform, which we have already said we sort of need to stimulate completely differently in order to understand a better you, um, from a completely different perspective. And that is building that foundation off of just running, you know, or for you cycling now and swimming. So if you're getting ready for an endurance triathlon event, for example, going out and doing it without the numbers and just allowing it to happen. Um, your ability in, in triathlon right now will be very, very similar to your ability in running those last two, three, four years where you're getting faster. Because you're doing the activities, you're going to continue to get faster. Yeah. You know, I had a call this morning with one of the athletes, one of my athletes getting ready for long course Malibu this weekend. It's his first half Ironman. And he had all kinds of questions and numbers. And I was like, it's your first one. As he said, it's exploration, not expectation. I love that because from then he'll learn way more by failing, by running into his own mistakes, by doing things the wrong way. I don't, I don't want to give him a prescription for the day um, okay. because I'd rather have him go through it. And then he goes, oh, all right, now I'll remember for next time. Same for you. Find something where you're not stuck in this cycle and you don't care that you're not feeling fast. Because guess what? Yeah. It's your first triathlon. You're not going to go fast. No, I mean, I generally enjoy training for it. Because yeah. it's like race day. I mean, normally, I mean, you ask my wife. When it comes to broad street, like, I mean, I'm a hot mess, like, Sunday morning. Where this, like, I just showed up. I had zero expectation. I mean, I ended up having some panic attacks in the water because I wasn't, um, I, I was naive to think that my pool swimming would train me for uh, open water. I just did not get in the open water prior. But other than that, like, I just, you know, I saw people, you know, that were obviously highly competitive. I mean, I must have been in T1 and T2 both combined for, like, eight minutes. Great. You know, because I just was like, you know, I just, I, I want to get set. I want to make sure I have everything on. Like, it was a completely different mindset because, as you said, I didn't have any expectation. Like, there was no, well, I did it last year and this. It was like, I just want to finish. You know exactly, um, and and you're you're actually as you're talking. I hope you're hearing your symptoms versus what you thought. You're describing a self of you that is very was very um, measured, uptight, and comparing so much yeah. in the running form. And look, listen to yourself on how much you enjoyed the triathlon side. So get away from that and rebuild yeah. from that. And maybe this is also from an energy standpoint and a nutrition standpoint where it's sort of like, wait, let me just, let me get away from measuring everything and being so focused and uptight. If you're a hot mess for a 10 miler, you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself for that. And don't get me wrong. Some people thrive on that, right? They like to 
create that pressure for themselves so that they can come shooting out of a cannon and just go. But you might not be that type. It sounds to me more that you want more of a more natural progression towards it happens on its own that you get faster. That's the first few years of Broad Street. And now that can be the same way in triathlon or longer running events, let's say not marathon, so that you can actually say, wow, this works better for me. I'm not actually unhealthy or worried about my energy levels. I was just in too tight of a parameter and a box of trying to squeeze and understand and um, continue to improve in something that I might have you know, filled the sponge completely based off of what I was doing in the now and who I was as an athlete running 10 miles. That's totally fine. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that makes, um, so then I guess this kind of sounds like you're advocating not so much for like any sort of, you know, specific kind of, you know, training program, but more of just, just go, just go run it for, you know, however long I feel like for however long it feels okay with, as you said, like no, no Garmin, just, you know, basically maybe just a, just a stopwatch and, and, and same thing for, um, you know, with when I get back out on the bike and get back out in the pool, which is, you know, going to be a little bit harder here as we get closer to uh, winter time. Yes. But, um, well, what I'm advocating is more that you spend more time doing that than all of your workouts being measured and focused. Um, and I know I talk a lot about intention and yeah. clarity and purpose in our training and prescription and knowing what we want as the outcome. But that works in this case too in saying, today I need to run 90 minutes and I'm going to focus on all the other inputs, how I feel on my feet, how my stride is going, how light I am running, how's my body positioning, how's my breathing, how's my posture, how's my mindset, how much am I enjoying this, how am I positive, am I exhaling and a different um, energy state and, and spiritual state almost after 30, 40 minutes than when I started. All those inputs become the measurables then. Man, today's run was amazing because after about 30 minutes, I completely left my day-to-day -day worries behind and I was thinking in bigger thoughts and more long-term and more strategic and so forth, right? Um, yeah. Those measurables, to reconnect to something that you're already, you know, subconsciously, I can tell you're already, you enjoy the, the training, you enjoy being fit, you enjoy being healthy. But I think, I think, again, this is, we're having a 35 minute conversation. Um, I think the minutia and the focus on the 10 has pulled you into a very narrow spectrum here of losing the context and the, the joy of why you were doing it. And yeah. waking up in the morning and right away assessing how you're feeling and worried about how it will affect your energy levels for a run either that day or the next day and if you're sick and all that. Um, mindset definitely carries into our health, right? If we wonder if we're getting sick, if we wonder if we're, we've got some sort of chronic disease, if we wonder and we're constantly worried, it manifests itself. Yeah, And I would want to break you out of that if you were standing next to me and we were training together, for sure. I would want to get you out of that mindset and just go back to things you enjoy. And if this 10-miler and the values around that keep, keep you not enjoying your training and the lifestyle, 
Um, that's what I would pull you away from. And that's also with the Philly Marathon. If you're just doing it, and not just, you know, I'm just highlighting that. I didn't hear enough from you. Well, you know what? I love going along and I love feeling what it happens at 16 to 21. And I love learning about myself. I'm pretty new to this endurance thing. And I want to find out what's on the other end of that. The one thing I've also noticed in our conversation is everything you're doing besides the triathlon is familiar to you. You already know in your mind what it'll feel like, how you need to train for it, what the probable outcome is. And so that also makes it difficult because there's nothing that creates fear, uncertainty, curiosity, butterflies in you in order to say, this is going to be epic because it's something I haven't done before. And it becomes important for our training and our motivation as we move forward, especially past our 30s, because now we're looking for a different challenge. Todd, you can wake up tomorrow and run a 10-mile. Yeah. Will it be 64? No. But you know how it's going to feel. You know how hard you have to run to get a certain pace. You know even if you ran a 65, how hard it would feel and how tired you'd be after. And guess what? The sun rises the next day and life goes on. Yeah. Whereas something where you're like, you're telling your son and your wife, um, I'm not sure how this is going to go. I'm actually yeah. sort of scared or yeah. curious. That's the stuff that might be your prescription for now. And then in a few years, when you've built this foundation, you've built this training and you've built this knowledge about yourself and you've built all these different inputs on how you also can feel, not just by numbers or paces or outcomes, that you can say, you know what, let me go back and just in a relaxed way, I can see that happening. Will you just go and run that because you have a winner of decent training in you? And you go, you know what, I'm just going to in two weeks go do the Broad Street 10 miler. I know it gets fuller that you have to sign up prior, but um, it's a pretty big race. But yeah. um, that you just go do it and you go, you know what, I might have not done a 64, but I did a 66 on half the training, just having fun with it relaxed and it felt even better than a 64 would have yeah no i you know i was it was when we were having an extreme heat wave to the olympics which is what i signed up for got cut down to a half mm-hmm. which to a no to a sprint i mean yeah. which got which got me bummed because like i'm finally passing people on the run because like two miles in i was yeah. i was feeling good finally yeah but then it's over and i was yeah. like oh i can't wait to get back out there Again, for some of the reasons you said, you know, it's it's a bit unknown. I had no expectations going into Broad Street. I don't want to say it was as if okay, it's either this time or I'm going to be unhappy the rest of the day. Yeah, you know. But it was it was kind of like that. But, but with, subconsciously with, there, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's like, because you've done it so often, and you said um, your words are clearly expressing your thoughts, right? Um, yeah. Your, and your, your deeper emotions. And what I'm hearing is it is a measuring stick. You've used it sort of as an age measuring stick. Do I still got what I had at 34, 35, 33? And why am I slowing down? And then what's going on? And why can't I? You know, versus taking a step back and looking, okay, well, maybe I need to change things up completely. Everything that I thought I was doing or have been doing, try this for, and not just for, three, four months in the lead up to Broad Street, like in your volume in the past, but more sort of like overall general approach. And I think you're onto something here 
with going longer and doing triathlons and having reigniting that curiosity, that passion, that fun, and just that joy with it. Yeah. No, I mean, I love the product because, you know, for me, I mean, I mean, that's also why I would say, I mean, I don't want to be completely misleading with the marathon. I mean, I enjoy long, like I enjoy long runs. Like I just enjoy being out there on a good trail around here, especially in the fall when it gets like, you know, yeah. beautiful, like nothing makes me happier than going out for a two and a half hour run, you know, and then follow yeah. that, chase that. If that, if nothing makes you happier, chase nothing. that. Other than my family. Yeah, of know. course. I mean, yeah. But, but that's that. number two, I could, that's, that's what I, you know, I enjoy being outdoors and that's why I fell in love with biking because it was like, okay, now I can be outdoors and cover more ground yeah. than you can running and I would just go biking, you know, all over um, the suburbs around here and, and getting out to the country parts of, of Philly and stuff and I just, you know, I would all of a sudden look down on my watch and I'd be like, oh, I, you know, I've gone, you know, 35 miles. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, Plenty of rolling hills around there, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that big picture. I mean, I know we haven't or I haven't given you, like, a clear answer or prescription from this. But this is from a consultation standpoint what I would um, advocate, advise, consult you to do. Take all that and take this into a different direction. Follow your interest and passion and curiosity and sense of adventure and run your fitness no, I'll use a different word. Um, take your fitness and run with it there, right? Um, so that you have an opportunity to sort of come back to the 10 miler maybe in a year or two or three or even next year. You might even find over the next six months that, wow, what a refreshing, different um, um, place I'm in. And I'm not putting so much value on the outcome of the race of the Broad Street 10 miler, but instead I'm going to go in there and just enjoy it. I'm going to run with somebody. I'm going to help somebody. I'm going to do this. And then realize, wow, it all just is, I had it um, written wrong in my head with regards to the story I wanted this race to be. Okay. No, but with, but with that also said, let's have you do that. I'll gladly give you the five by one mile Okay. Um, input so you know how to do that it's based off my website on the there's the five by one mile there send me that data okay for you especially because of running i would do it on the track don't just do it on a measured course because you would want to be able to uh, retest and re um redo it again um, every okay. few months and then the retest every month which i give you the values out of that and then okay. from there you also seeing some zones and probably having even more of an aha moment of like, wow, I really need to run that slow. Whereas if you're running trails in the Philadelphia or the countryside around Philly, you'll be busy, you know, walking a fair amount just because of the hills, yeah. but that's fine. You're out in nature. You're doing that thing you enjoy doing. And it'll be a good exercise for you to let go, let go of pace, let go of numbers, let go of outcomes and just be in the moment and be present and listen to what your body's telling you with all those other inputs that I was talking about. How you're mm -hmm. feeling, your technique, your light on your feet. And then as you're focused on that, allow sort of the mind to go, wow, this is great. And now I'm not focused on that. I'm thinking, you know, bigger picture stuff. And you'll find it's quite addicting in its own way. Those long runs where you where you can connect like that. And you, 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 you get to a place where you say weekly... 
I need to have one of those long runs that I can just sort of think and get lost in my thoughts. Yeah, no, because so, I don't run with, like, headphones or anything like that. Like, I just like to kind of just be out there and just, you know, just zone out for, you know, two, two and a half hours, kind of, you know, just me and, and road or the trail or wherever I happen to be. Yeah. Then the strength work, um, do you enjoy doing the strength work? Not particularly. Okay. But I just kind of feel like, I don't know, just... I feel like I should, for, for lack of a better reason. It just feels like, you know, I should be, you know, lifting some weights. All right, know, but... Todd, you're three for three right now. That's the yeah. third input where you're sort of just taking direction, but not really like, I know I should be doing strength work, but I'm sort of just doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's another takeaway, right? Notice in your training, and maybe it comes up elsewhere in your day-to-day, Notice how you're taking um, specificity and input by others, and in this, this case, training. And, all right, well, you know what? Let me give that a real attempt, a real try, versus sort of adjusting it to the way you want it to be. Because, you'll A, you'll find you're a lot more efficient in your training and outcomes, a quicker path towards the desired outcome if you just follow the advice of experts. <laughs> you don't have to waste as much time. And then yeah. B, you know, um, it also keep you healthier and moving towards your the, the joy and passion of what you're looking for. So do you not advocate like are you like do your athletes do do strength training or only if it's specific you know target? most most do some sort of core and body weight strength all year round. Um, okay. Body weight being not too much in the gym. Maybe they have a dumbbell or a kettlebell or medicine ball stuff at home. Um, okay. But then as we see what the athlete needs and what their limiters are and what their strengths are and what they're getting ready for, right, um, then we absolutely add strength to it, especially from a standpoint of the preseason. If we have a lot of time to build up towards what we're building towards, um, I have almost all my athletes doing some sort of strength component. Now, for some, it's 45 minutes a week. For others, it's twice a week of an hour and 15, a pretty intricate um work but again it depends on the athlete in many cases right what they're getting ready for um so you can imagine a long distance swimmer is going to get different type of strength work than a long distance runner yeah yeah but i'm definitely an advocate of it so you would want to definitely focus and again based off of what i was hearing if you have hip flexor input and you have tight hips aspect input um you definitely want to focus on exercises there because, again, glutes, hamstrings, making sure they're engaged and actually helping you in your running and your um, what you're doing in your daily work. Um, those firing will loosen all that up a little bit and allow you to, to, to handle the load, um, spread out the load on your body properly. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've been trying to add in some, you know, things with like bands or some body weight stuff, uh, some exercises that um, I found that, uh, you know, target the hips and the glutes. And, you know, I'm not going in, you know, doing heavy deadlifts and things like that. It's, you know, mostly things with like bands. Okay. Um, I have some thoughts there if you. <laughs> um, okay. Also, you know, don't ignore looking up the chain. Um, so often people focus on where the pain is and they forget that the pain could be coming from a compensation like the hips and pelvis. So your the way your spine works is your neck is the same curve as your low back. 
So okay. if you have issues in your neck, um, the pain could be showing up in your low back or vice versa. So just as an option or have somebody, you know, when you go to a PT or something, they only look at where the pain is. If you can find somebody to look at the whole system, um, you might make progress versus focusing only on the area that hurts. Okay. okay. Um, also, some magnesium might help. Um, magnesium relaxes muscles. So okay. being, um, deficient in that, um, which many athletes are, um, can help. Mm -hmm. With the muscle tightness. Okay. Um, and that you can either apply, again, um, you know, I encourage you to look deeper into their digestive system and how that's working. Um, okay. And so the magnesium you can either take as a supplement form or you can actually get a spray or a gel and put right on the skin. Um, it tingles at first, but you'll get used to it. And that way it's absorbed through the skin right into the muscles versus... Um, having to go through the digestive system and then getting everywhere it needs to be. So is that your preference, it sounds like? Or your preferred um, You know, if you have certain pain located there, yeah, maybe that. Again, I, I don't know, you know, a whole lot about your gut yet, but um, I think, you know, maybe that would be... You can take some... I would do half and half. Maybe put it on your body okay. and, um, you know, if your body doesn't need it, it won't take it in through the skin. It'll just kind of brush off. Okay. Otherwise, right. it'll be absorbed. So, and if you take too much, then you'll notice um, loose stools. So then you know you did too much. Okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, then I'll, I'll and get the just you know just get them to give me whatever the results that came back from that. Yeah. Again, I'm not perfect. You know, I can't read it like a doctor can, but I can certainly notice um, certain markers. And again, if it shows a whole list of things that you're um, showing sensitivities to, um, then it just shows you have a leaky gut in which a whole gut repair program would probably help you tremendously. Um, do you think, I was going to ask you too, you mentioned at the start, do you, yeah. I mean, somebody else had, had mentioned, and I, you know, I feel like I do, you know, it's like I'm not, not eating, but do you think I could increase my not not every day did I get everything but, in because I went out. But most days, I would say when I was putting stuff in, I would put the whole day in. Do you think I'm not getting enough? Um, I think I, there's days that you have about sixteen hundred calories. Um, other days you have about two thousand calories. I mean, both 11, of those eleven hundred calories. Are I mean, too I'm little. I'm five two and I eat more than that. So mm -hmm. um, I think and, you and definitely taking a look at your sorry. To, cut you off um, but I'm just I brought up your chart of your calories that you're burning just in the last seven days for training I mean on 1500 on Saturday plus the 22 to 24 probably 2500 you need with your metabolism burning from activity anyway so now you're at 4,000 calories that day just to stay at zero okay and you're eating 2100 2200 that's going to definitely tie into how you're feeling fatigued, you're overall deficit, lethargic, and so you repeat this day after day after day. You are never coming out of that hole if you continue that approach. Is what I'm saying, right? That's the thing I haven't tried or got like any kind of extra advice on. Is like, okay, well, other than the personal trainer, when they just you know, when he when we talked about this, he just said just eat more. Well, it's like, well, okay, like. More carbs, more fat, more protein. Like, I don't more know. More fat. More fat, especially. <laughs> um, you need some more healthy fats, I think, and some of your deficiencies showed up there. 
Um, okay. I don't know how open to animal products you are, but I think, um, I'm not you know, I think olives would be great. Um, some ghee would be great. Again, it's just the fat of the butter, um, which is super healing for the gut also. Um, you know, more coconut, um, whether that's coconut milk or coconut oil, coconut um, chips, whatever, however you like to consume it, healthy fat. Um, I think some eggs might help. Okay. Um, I also think you need to start, again, anything with the thyroid um, and whether the stress plays a role. You've said you're a high-stress person. Um, so if you've been running high cortisol... Todd, Todd, I'm laughing a little bit, not because that you're a high-stress person, but that if you can become a hot mess for a 10-miler, yeah. that you're not winning. Um, again, just right, your overall persona of putting a lot of emphasis onto certain things can cause that type of stress, right? It's a hormonal reaction if you're a hot mess prior. So just think if that happens in many aspects of your days, weeks. Yes, I was going to say <laughs> that it stresses you. <laughs> Chris tends to take over um, if you haven't <laughs> noticed. Um, but it tends, so that high stress. Like what? Sounds like you're a good team. <laughs> Um, that stress, again, like you just said, that you've heard a million times for me, is that you it creates a chemical reaction in your body. Um, protein builds your hormones. So if it's a constant sort of stress, maybe it doesn't feel a high stress to you because that's what you're used to. That doesn't mean your body hasn't been under stress for a long period of time. So, you know, the adrenals and the thyroids, and um, they are showing you in your blood work and the bouncing up and down that they're not functioning properly um, and they need some help. So I think if you could change, you know, add, you're eating a great breakfast, but adding, you know, getting 25 to 35 grams of protein when you wake up um, or within your breakfast, within that hour, it depends when you do your workouts, but, um, you know, you can keep eating what you are, add some eggs. I love, you know, adding collagen powder just because it dissolves and you can add it to anything. I had it in my Um, yogurt this morning. Yeah, it tastes like nothing. It tastes like nothing. So you can just increase the protein. Snuck it into the kids' pancakes. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I've done stuff like that with the with pancakes are a great vehicle for delivering stuff. Todd, also the stress. Remember on the body. Get there. (laughs) Is back to the calories. If you're always under eating, it's creating a stress reaction in your body as well. Yes, and your blood test showed that too, being low in B vitamins, because that's what gets used up when you're constantly under stress. Yeah, I did that. I just did. I don't know. You, I, you got me to go back and look at all this stuff, and so I did. You know, I consulted with my doctor to see, like, you know, if there are certain vitamins he wanted me, you know, he liked, and so we did. You know, I bought a. Um, uh, it's the it's the it's the food based vitamins. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, they're plant based. Yeah. Okay. Not Garden of Life. Mega uh, Life, maybe? You mean the brand. Um, okay. Yeah, brand. Mega Life, I think it's what the, the, the brand is. Just got it at Whole okay. Foods. It's a B-centered. Um, you know, it has all the it has all the bees. So um, I did just start doing that a couple weeks ago. Okay. Um, yeah, I also would think about, you know, again, just next time you meet with the doctor or, you know, just throw out the autoimmune question. Um, okay. And I would pay attention to how that, I know you added spirulina. Um, 
pay attention to, I maybe take it away for a few days and then add it back in and notice how you feel when you take it. Um, if there is an autoimmune component, spirulina will activate that um, uh. because it stimulates the hormone system, I mean the immune system. So if there is an autoimmune, any component of autoimmune, you are it, your immune system's already on high alert. And then to add something else that stimulates it generally doesn't make you feel very good. Oh, okay. So just, I would, you know, not changing anything else, take that out, see how, just see if you notice anything. Okay. Um, I would also play with maybe, you know, people can have a sensitivity to anything, right? Um, there's a lot of almonds going on. Um, almond butter, almond milk, almond, you know. Um, so maybe take those out, switch up your nuts. <laughs> there's a ton of nuts yeah. out there. There's pecans, there's... Um, you know, there's different uh, non-dairy milks. I would switch them up more often, hemp milk, rice milk, yeah. coconut milk. Um, you know, just try to get away from one thing because your body gets, can get overloaded. So. Hey, that sounds like a theme. Try to get away from one theme. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody does it. Everybody gets stuck in their habits. So I'm just... It's, yeah, you just, you know, it's, it's from a decision-making standpoint. You, just certain stuff you, you put on auto. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I would just, you know, pay attention to that. Try some different types of nuts and seeds, pumpkin seeds, and, you know, all, and then some of that's in there. Just sometimes I feel like the almond is becoming the new peanut in that it's in everything. So yeah. we just get too much of it. So, again, play with some of those things and see if it makes you feel any better. No, that's a good idea. I'll, I'll definitely, yeah, you're right. I, yeah, got to know. Uh, I bought cashew butter for the first time yesterday in months. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So everybody, yeah. There's a lot of nuts and seeds out there. They don't all need to be almonds. Okay. Um, so again, you know, maybe take them out completely. You know, play with those things and see if you know because body can react to anything. Um, oh. You know, but I would incorporate you know even some bone broth or mineral broths, some things that are a little bit more nourishing and healing. Okay. Because the adrenal, like I said, your adrenals and thyroid, I think, are needing some some love. Okay. Yeah, like I bought that book, um, that Eat What Eat Slow, Run Fast. Oh, yeah, I love that. Okay. Great. Yeah. Cook with her stuff. Yes, I love that. Okay. Yeah, I broke out that deal. Well, I guess I bought it a while ago. Yeah, she, I, has, she has two books. Okay. <laughs> Chris is laughing, but I do. I'm a big fan of Shalane. No, no. No, but I'm just laughing yeah. because there it is again. I bought that book a while ago, but I wasn't sure if I was going to oh. use anything. Yeah, use it. Well, yes. yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I, I brought it back out, started making those pancakes that I started adding into my, you know, on, on that app, I started making my, you know, yeah, and, and again, that's another great place for a little scoop of that um, collagen powder or something that doesn't taste like anything, just give it more, you know, I looked at the, in those pancakes, you know, you've got about five grams of protein, which, you know, we just need more, um, and especially yeah. to start the day, so you start feeling a little bit more refreshed versus... And I don't know, is coffee a part of your day? Yeah. How much? Uh -huh. How much? <laughs> uh, I just do um, uh, uh, half, half and half. I do half decaf, half regular, just, you know, one, okay. I guess, 16-ounce cup. So okay. half decaf, half, half regular. Okay, that's fine. I was just, sometimes when people leave it out, they have it, like, you know, six times a day. <laughs> yeah. No, just, uh, uh, or it actually gets 16 ounces, so that's two cups. But that's, you know... I would uh, back, back it down to one for now. Okay. Yeah. Just because, again, it stimulates the whole thyroid, adrenal, stress 
pathway and you don't yep. need you don't need that right now all right all right todd well we got some good things to go with yeah no i really do um i really appreciate everything chris i really appreciate you too emily you know taking the time and uh you know i think you know it sounds like it's a kind of a mindset change for me that, here that as well as um that i think we really hit on the heart of some things with the calories there and this last 15 minutes talking. Okay. Um, I would really look into that. I'm surprised. So many athletes are surprised and they write back to me surprised. Like I heard you talking about more calories. I started eating more. I feel so much better. Um, okay. it's, it's bizarre how in this community of endurance athletes, how many athletes under eat. Well, I think that's the message of today's world is that we eat too much and it's, yeah, and you know, that being it healthy, doesn't apply to endurance athletes. Yeah, and being <laughs> healthy, having to look the athlete role of uh, endurance, this long, lean, skinny, I understand that that is part of the persona, but that comes from eating healthy and being with it long term versus trying to force that. I'm not saying you are, but I'm just saying in general. That's it's that's hard it. for me to gain weight. I mean, I've been trying. I would like to, you know. Uh, I mean, even even when I was down for basically six, seven months after my hernia surgery, or you know, during the hernia surgery and post recovery, when I was doing nothing, um, I still didn't really gain any weight. Yeah. Uh, so from that, if you start paying attention to that, you send me the five by one. We go okay. along and change activities. We uh, change our focus and our mindset, and then finally, we also listen to the variety of inputs that are happening around you and sort of be open to give it a whirl. I think you'll see some um, pretty significant changes here. Awesome. Um, well, great. Well, hey, I appreciate you both, and um, yeah, I will. Uh, I will follow up with those times. Yeah, and I will. Um, I'll check in in about five weeks, six weeks on how you're doing, and okay. um, we'll go from there. And I may, I mean, it sounds like, Emily, I don't know if, like, I could maybe work with you specifically, but it sounds like if any, if there is any specific advice for me right now, it sounds like it might be more deeper dive into the nutrition, because it sounds like with the training, it's just, I'm going to go just try to have more fun. And yes. Just be, uh, <laughs> yes, correct. Correct. Less, yes. You know, less of a hot the mess. The nutrition part isn't good. all that fun. Yeah. And, <laughs> yes, be, but less hot mess is... That's hot yeah. mess is good. That's hot mess, more just like go run and have fun. But it sounds like from a, a nutrition standpoint, that there might be more specifics. Yes. Yeah, especially let's say for like a three-month window to sort of ramp everything into the right spaces so that okay. you then, you know. Okay, so I may follow up with you on that to see about if there's okay. anything that we could be, you know, with that while I'm uh, taking Chris's advice on the endurance side. Yep, Great. sounds good. Okay. Awesome. Well, you guys uh, have a great uh, rest of your week. We shall. Thank you, Todd. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Right. So you can see how that conversation sort of um, manifested itself ever so gently, ever so gradually to the end of there. And, you know, we led it led to some good outputs and inputs and takeaways for him. And sometimes conversations take longer. But we got to the bottom of the issues and his questions and gave him some new things to focus on and maybe angles to look at this. And I feel good about the takeaways for him. Um, I hope you all can see the value of that. And um, yeah, it's important to me 
that also you, the listener, as well as obviously the client, feels good about the value they're receiving. In this case, Todd received value of a nutritionist and me as a coach all in one. And, you know, again, it was probably a lot more work, um, especially on Emily's side, researching a lot of his blood tests and so forth, um, and getting a lot more input on him and his daily caloric um, intake and getting sort of a his everything logged in sort of a nutritional log for him. And that takes work, of course. Um, and we probably did more than a lot more <laughs> than is um, usually f- for a, a consult. But again, Todd was frustrated with a lot of the input he'd received. And I said, listen, if we don't provide value, if we're not going to give you some new insights or angles to this, I'm not going to charge you for it. So let's go back and forth a little bit on email, get a better understanding of what it is and if there's an angle by which we can help you. And if there isn't, well, at least we went back and forth a few times on email and and we you you know that you had other eyes and more inputs looking at it and validating what you already knew. But in this case, um, I think we we uncovered a variety of other things and some areas that he can maybe <laughs> um, focus on, right? And um, sort of that listening to the input that we talked about on the podcast and a variety of other things that hopefully you all heard how pretty direct and um um, you know, I try to just deliver it right there because it's important that um, many of us hear some direct feedback and snap us out of sometimes the narrative and the story we're in in our head. So, all right, well, hope you guys all have a great week. I'll be back next week um, with the new podcast. I have a variety of emails to dive into again, and it's almost sunny time again. And uh, I just put together his training for the next four weeks, which will be a repetitive format, a little bit more in the um, 50K format that we had on the podcast a couple months ago, but also more in the format that we're now sort of in the 16-week window. So I'll dive into that a little bit, and I will dive into a variety of other topics. I've gotten some amazing emails where in the meantime, I'm like, these are just, I need to just continuously talk on the podcast on half of these questions because they are really good, insightful. And again, all I do is try to provide my little nugget the way I would approach it or how I see it. And hopefully that provides value for all of you. And that's the story for this week. All right. Have a great week. Bye.